what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. August 30th, 2019, episode number 94. I know a 94. Ryan Wells? Yeah. I, Who else you got? That's it. <laughs> that's it? Is there another 94 I Come should on. know? Well, let's kick it back to old school. Jess Roeder. I said he just Roeder last week at 93, but I remember he was national in 94 for quite a few years. Uh, he's probably the most famous 94 that I can think of. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure he's great. Okay, how about this? George Roeder Sr. had 94 way back in the day. He had it from 1956 to 1968. That's badass. Yeah, so that's why Jess Roeder had that number. I think he also had 93. And then George Roeder II, they call him Geo. He had number 66, and he had that number for a long, long time. Numbers. I love them. I love it. I don't know. That's I've been hooked on the numbers and that part of the sport for a long, long time. You know what I'm excited about? Springfield? Yeah, absolutely. Springfield. So you quit your job and you're <laughs> taking a flight and you're coming to Springfield. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Something to that effect, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm done with the motocross stuff and I figured, why not? I uh, took a later flight a couple weeks back and got a uh, an extra little gift card for doing that so i said that's my uh, flight to springfield that's telling me i need to go to springfield so i book a flight and i'm going i'll be there for all the days except for the amateur stuff so we're i'm doing amateur races last night actually did amateur races friday is the ama all-star national flat track series which yes. is steve nace racing and it also will feature the aft singles as part of their national championship and it's going to have some hooligans in there i heard that so that's gonna be interesting to see in another extra class I'm pretty sure the Boltacos will be running as well. So it's going to be a full night of racing. And then Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back Springfield Miles, man. It's going to be a huge weekend of racing. Wouldn't miss it for the world. I had to make it there. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully get up and see you in the booth a little bit, bounce around. I get to get the media pass. So I'll be bouncing around the infield and shooting some videos and high-fiving people. That'll be great. Okay. Boy. So this time you're going to be in Springfield. You're mm-hmm. not going to be working in the AFT truck. So I mm-hmm. want you to either go... It's probably best to go down inside turn number one. Since you have a media pass, get right beside the guardrail and just feel it when they go by you. It is incredible. Yeah, man, I, that's what I'm most stoked about. Every time I've been out there, I've been working or in a in a truck during the race, so I haven't really got to experience it. And I'll get to experience not one, but two Springfield miles over the weekend. I'm stoked. And it, it's a whole different perspective, and you know my. One of my first memories as a kid was walking underneath the grandstands towards the towards the front straightaway, right at the start finish line. They had already started practice. I guess we got there a little bit late or whatever. And they when they went blasting by you at 140 miles an hour, 135, whatever it is, in a big pack of riders, man, it just gave me goosebumps and it was so cool. And that's why the Springfield Mile is my favorite racetrack. Yeah, I look forward to seeing Dave and Tomra too. They always put on a good show. Um, I'm sure they this weekend's going to be no exception with the doubleheader. It's actually a triple header. They keep saying the doubleheader, but I know they're talking about the, it's, it's, the miles. It's a doubleheader for miles. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's it's four days of racing. But yeah, I mean they should throw the the short track in there too because that's part of the you know it's part of the championship hunt for the singles guys. Are you announcing on Thursday too? Yes, sir. Four days in a row for me. Wow. Be be on standby in case they can't make it. You might have to finish off Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, shall we get into talking about these few races, man? I think they're all going to be really good. I'm, I'm not going to stick my neck out here and pick any winners, but I'll, I'll talk about some front runners. How's that? So let's talk about the short track first. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. When's the last time we rode a short track? New Hampshire. It yeah. had been L- Laconia. Yeah. So it's been a minute. We've been uh, doing the miles and catching up on some of these races that were rained out. Um, who do you see? Uh, who do you see running up front at least? I know we're not going to pick a favorite, but who do you see running up front on the well, short tracks? In the singles class, that's you know that's the one short track that you know that, that's international. So Mikey Rush won Laconia. That's back when he was on a, a winning streak. He was actually running up front every week. He's going to be tough to beat. Chad Coase is going to be up there up front. Uh, you can't count out Gautier. Dan Bromley. I would love to see Shane up there in the mix. Uh, this The short track is very physical. You really got to charge hard. And the way she's been riding lately 
it wouldn't surprise me to see her up there. Yeah, and I think uh, people like Ryan Wells, who you haven't seen, you know, doing running as hard as or running as well as, as they probably like to run. You'd seen, I think Ryan Wells runs runs well in these short tracks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot. You know, that's where a lot of people start their racing. So I mean, anybody can go fast. I mean, but I think the the, the guys and, and girl I mentioned earlier, those would be the. That's probably my top five riders. I got you. Good stuff. Production twins will be back this weekend, right? On, on the mile, yes. Yeah. The production twins will be on, on the mile on both days. And uh, I've heard there might be an exhibition singles race on the mile as well. I'm not sure if that's official yet. What? Maybe something else is happening, but uh, we'll have to see how that unfolds. But in the production twins, you know, I think the, the, the same runners will be up front. I was very impressed with Jared Addison the last couple of rounds. He's been very fast. He didn't, he didn't have the finish that I think he was looking for. Uh, I can see him winning one of these, maybe. Corey Texter's looking to rebound. He told me in Woodstock, Virginia, last weekend that this is the you know one of the races he's always had circled on the calendar, uh, and that we're going back to back. So I think uh, I think Corey will be up there. Varnes has had some mechanical issues. He had a mechanical at Sacramento. He had a mechanical at the last weekend in Woodstock. So they're putting a new motor in that bike. So I still think he'll be okay. I think he's going to do good. And uh, Colby Carlisle was gaining on him lap after lap out mm -hmm. there in Sacramento. So I think he'll keep that momentum going on his Yamaha. And we talked to, you know, Rispoli last week. You can't leave out him or Gautier on those on those Harley Davidsons. They're uh, they're making some noise, and they've definitely got some momentum going um, with a couple podiums and a lot of talent. So, yeah, I, it, that production twins class every weekend is shaping up to have, you know, a num number of storylines in itself. So pretty impressive and i look forward to seeing that in person for the first time yeah one other guy i want to throw in there is chad coast i mentioned him in the singles class but he's on the parkinson brothers kawasaki in the twins class so he could be up there as well so i uh, believe you know between the guys i mentioned in the and the and the few guys you mentioned on those harleys i think that's going to be your front runners and and uh, i think somebody's gonna have to prove us wrong i always love it when somebody does prove us wrong so i'm not opposed yeah, to yeah, absolutely it. it makes for a yeah. good story um but we talking let's talk some big boys uh the, the twins class do you think uh do you think we're gonna hear something from brian smith this weekend i don't know if if anywhere this would be the track for him to shine yep. i mean it should have been sacramento because that's the track he's won at so many times in a row but I just don't know what's going on with that camp right now. It just seems like maybe they need to back up one generation of motorcycles or something like that. I just, I don't know if something's just not right with that brand new bike. It's beautiful. It's 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 an incredible piece of art, but something either Brian's not comfortable on it or that bike's not handling right or just something is not jiving. I mean, he's up up front. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but yep. he's not walking away from anybody. And I think Smith is the mile master for a reason. And so, if if Anywhere he could do it, besides Sacramento, it should be here. They're making strides, but they only have so many races to, to test it out. I would like to see it. I love Brian seeing win the, winning those miles, and I think he's definitely capable of winning Springfield. Mies is going to be on a tear, too. He's going to be trying to get back up front and score a win. Breyer's looking to stay consistent. I mean, just like the other two classes, there's there's a lot of different storylines heading into Springfield. Breyer could complete the flat track Grand Slam in one season. I mean, he's already won a short track. He's won Peoria. He's won a half mile. And if he could win a mile, that would complete his career Grand Slam. And he'll do it all in one season, which has been done a couple times lately. So that'd be very impressive. Meese has to finish in front of Breyer, no matter what. If he wants to keep his championship hopes alive, he's got to start finishing in front of Breyer. So Meese is going to be determined to get up there. The veterans usually will do better because they will sometimes outsmart the younger riders on miles. That's just the fact of our sport. So that gives the advantage a little bit to Meese. Meese has been riding longer than Breyer. But I think Breyer's got the will and the determination to win this weekend, too. You know what I'm excited about? I'm going to go try to figure out how I can ride that uh, abate lap around the Springfield Mile. You going to find a motorcycle, or what are you going to try to ride? I'm just going to probably go steal one of AFT's little scooters and go ride it. All right. That'd be fun. I mean, it's pretty cool. You might as well. I think the keys are in them. I want to see if somebody take me around on the Talon. <laughs> I want to ride that Talon thing. That thing looks badass. <laughs> That'd be cool. On, on the mile, I think it'll top out at 80 miles per hour, but what? that's plenty fast. Yeah. That's plenty fast to go. Uh, let me throw a couple more wild cards here on the on the the big boy class before we move away oh, too far. I didn't think we were... Okay. Don't count out Brandon Robinson. He's he's got to be hungry. It's been a while since he's ran up front. He's crashed at Sacramento. He's he's got to be looking to rebound. And then Jeffrey Carver. He won there last year. 
He's a semi-hometown boy. He's from Illinois, at least. He's from down by St. Louis, but Carver's going to be strong also this weekend. Going to be fun to watch. Double time this weekend, first on Saturday and then again on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Springfield Mile, double header, triple header if you count the short track. Stoked. Speaking of Stoke, I'm pretty stoked about this week's interview as well. He's a friend of yours and a friend that you've had probably for about 25, 26 years, which is a long time. Uh, so I think you were actually hanging out with him last weekend too. Uh, I asked him if he had some time for an interview, wanted to do an episode, and he said sure. So this week we're going to speak to Sammy Sabedra. Oh, right on. He's cool. I've known him actually since Stockton, Kansas, 1993. So 26, little over 26 years I've known this guy. That's crazy. Not that yeah. you've known him that long, but that that date is that long ago. That blows my well, mind. And, and it's weird that that races like that just stick in a racer's mind for, for different reasons, you know, and, and I don't know why is that particular date, but, you know, he was beside me, him, his, bro- his brother Adam was racing. I'm not even sure if Sammy was racing that day. And Eva, or they, you know, say Adam, Sammy, and Eve, or Eva, were all there traveling together, and, and we became friends. Badass. It's always fun watching you guys banter a little bit when I see you guys at the track. So I know this will be a great conversation, and I look forward to learning a little bit more about our boy Sammy. Let's give him a call. Hello? Sammy. Scotty Dubler. Hey, man, what are you doing? I haven't seen you since, like, you know, Saturday night, so it's been, like, a long time. Yeah, a real long time. In fact, I can't wait to see you again in a couple of days. Yeah, so are you going to come hang out in the announcer booth again, or you got to work this weekend? You know, I got to work this weekend. Uh, I, I will have a little free time Friday night. You know, I might be able to squeak up there and uh, right. come say hi to you, but uh, I think that would be really cool. All right, well, if I got an extra... you at the races. Yeah, it's always a pleasure seeing you, too. So if I got an extra microphone, I'd like to throw you on there. I think you'd be a good uh, color analyst or color commentator or even just my sidekick, whatever you want to call yourself. All that works. All that works for me. Uh, yeah, I- I'm, I'm ready. Right on. So we've known each other since 93, but a lot of people don't exactly know who you are. I know they see you on the pit walks when you jump on that stool so you can be my same height almost. Uh, so let's, let's kick it way back. Let's go way back. So you're from California. Where'd you grow up at? Well, uh, I was born in uh, San Jose, California, and I kind of grew up, uh, my, my parents split up. My mom lived in Southern California. My dad lived in what's considered Northern California. So I bounced back and forth depending on who I was uh, getting along with better. <laughs> so I kind of grew up, uh, you know, <laughs> all over California. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm from. And I ended up uh, in Pennsylvania, been back here for quite a while. And uh, yeah, but I'm a California guy through and through. So how, how do you, well, how do you get transplanted from California to Pennsylvania? I know Chris Carr did it. Did you just follow him there? Uh, you know, kind of similar situation, man. Uh, you know, g- girls, man, they make the world go round, right? So I met a girl. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was trying to do the, you know, live the dream, man. I was driving around uh, the country with a with an XR in the back of my van, and I stopped in a Walmart, and I was in a long line and seen a girl in a really pair short pair of shorts in, in the next line. I said, man, I think I, I'm in the wrong line here. So uh, I went over, talked to her, and here we are, man. Uh, you know, wow. I'm a family guy with that that girl now. So, yeah, she came from a racing family, and so we clicked right from, like, day one, and uh, it's been really good. So she's originally from Pennsylvania, or is that just where she was living at the time? No, no, she's from Pennsylvania, and uh, her, her dad uh, – he raced, uh, you know, locally here, District 6 stuff, and uh, was a bull taco guy. And then um, after his days of racing motorcycles, he got involved with uh, car racing, and he's been an official at a, at a race a racetrack here in Pennsylvania for about 30 years now. So she comes from a racing family, and, you know, I guess to hang around with me longer than you know, three days, you'd probably have to come from a racing world. Otherwise, uh, you <laughs> give me the boot really quick <laughs> yeah i i feel you so let's go back to your racing days when did you start racing flat track and how did how'd you get involved in flat track well i i'll back it up pretty far for this one uh you know i was really fortunate i was born into a racing family and my dad um when he was a little boy growing up in san jose california um he lived down the street from joe leonard who was national number one at the time uh, my dad didn't know Joe Leonard was 
Joe Leonard, really. He just knew his neighbor Joe down the street. And uh, when my dad was a little boy, Joe Leonard would give him rides up and down the street on the back of his Harley. So wow, it's um, pretty cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So, yeah, that kind of, yeah, so that kind of, that's how my dad got introduced to racing. It, it sparked an interest and lit a fire in him. Uh, and my dad raced locally in California. And my dad kind of, you know, motorcycles were, you know, always his, uh, his love and passion and, you know, racing dirt track was his thing, but he did a lot of other things too. He raced cars and he drag raced and, you know, my dad was just California, you know, San Jose, California guy, and he just loved racing. So that was, that's, that's how my family got introduced to racing. And as a matter of fact, in my living room, I got a big picture of Joe Leonard hanging on my wall and, um, you know. If it wasn't for my dad meeting that guy as a little boy, uh, I probably wouldn't even be talking to you right now, Scotty. So it's, uh, you know, it's special. Everything happens for a reason. So when did you first race flat track? I was probably like three or four years old. And, um, you know, my brother was racing. My brother's quite a bit older than me. So he was already, you know, doing his thing. And I was about three or four. And we went to the races one day. And my dad's like, you want to ride? And I was like, Yeah. He unloaded this little 50 out of the back of the van. I was like, no way. So uh, I raced that night and I got spanked bad. You know, I, uh, you know, I wore construction boots and uh, of all things. I wore uh, snow bids. I don't even know where my mom got snow bids. We're living in California. So I had baby blue snow bibs on. And, uh, man, I felt so goofy. I was embarrassed. You know, I probably had a duct tape steel shoe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was yep. goofy. But, uh, yeah, so – that was that. That was my start. And then, um, you know, I, I, uh, I had a pretty good amateur career um, just because of, of um, our situation and circumstances and uh, a little bit involved with my brother's racing and, and our financial situation. I, I never got to go to the, the amateur nationals as a kid. And, you know, I, I really missed out on that. Uh, but, you know, I got to race with all the, the fast guys that, that came back from the, from the amateur nationals and, you know, all over the West coast. And, you know, I remember, uh, Ryan Anderson won the number one plate, you know, on a 60, he went on to become national number 47. I got to mm -hmm. race with Ryan and a lot of guys and, you know, and it was, you know, always, I always tried my best to beat those guys. And I was pretty fortunate to, to win a lot of races and, and a lot of the California championships growing up. Um, from there, you know, I, I, 16 years old, you know, you get your, your, your pro novice card and man, you're pumped and you're excited and you're doing it. And, uh, back in, those days you can get your points pretty fast if you raced a lot. So I raced a lot. And I, next thing you know, I got my expert points. I was 17 and, um, I was, uh, I moved out from home on good terms. I was just trying to do my own thing, you know? So my senior year of high school, I said, I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm going to go live on the beach. Uh, wow. my brother talked me into that one. So <laughs> I did that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it was really cool. And, and, Somehow along the way, I, I got the attention of a motorsports group out of San Diego who uh, – I don't really tell this story, so I'm going to share it with you guys in the world now. Um, but I got the attention of a motorsports group who was like, hey, listen, uh, we're looking for to develop and work with a young rider. And they laid out this whole career path, and it was to get to what is now MotoGP, you know, through stepping stones of, of uh, you know – club road racing to AMA all the way to the, the to the world stage and uh, for some reason they liked me and they wanted to go with me and I was all pumped and excited and then uh, came time to sign a contract I was in 18 and I was living on my own and it didn't happen you know oh, so I was like man yeah so it took the wind out of my sails you know it really did and they I felt really you know that they, they uh they 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 empathized with me and they, you know, I was their first pick. So I'll live with that. And, uh, you know, I won't mention any names or I guess I will. doesn't matter if you want to know, but, um, <laughs> I was, I was in the office there and, uh, the guy that they ended up signing, who was quite a bit younger than me, um, they, they, they signed him and I watched his career take him to that, you know, Moto GP level. And I, it was like verbatim exactly what they said they were going to do for me. And, uh, I still have, I don't know how, I was in the office there and they had an extra copy of the contract. And I guess for keep's sake, I, I snagged the copy and I still have his, his contract with his and his mother's signature. And that was John Hopkins. So he, like I said, he wow. was quite a bit younger than me, but yeah. So man, that, that took the wind out of my sails for a little while. And, uh, after that, um, 
I never really raced full time again, you know? Um, and I just kind of bounced around for most of my life. Uh, you know, I'd ride a motorcycle here, get an 883 here, do this, do that, you know, somebody give me a road tax to ride or something like that. And so I got to travel around the country and I got to race a lot. I did a lot of outlaw races and a lot of, you know, regionals or all star, uh, or hot shoes or, you know, things like that. But I, I never really got to give it a full go at a, you know, a full season on, on a, on a, on a good motorcycle for a good team. And, um, but I've worked with a lot of people over the years, I guess my, my claim to fame, uh, not that it's anything really, but, um, you know, uh, when the first year, the basic twins class, I was like, Oh man, I'm going to, I'm gonna go ride this thing, you know? And I just kind of came off the couch and I just, I didn't even ride the full series, but I got fifth in points that year, the first year, the basic twins. And, um, that felt good, you know, especially for just literally coming off of a couch and, uh, but so that's, that's my racing career in, in, in a nutshell. And, you know, they, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. What would you consider your home track out there in California? I know you said you bounced around a lot, but what was your home track or what track did you race the most out there? Oh man. Uh, I, I would have to say my home track was, uh, the Lodi cycle bowl for sure. You know, I raced okay. a lot of tracks, uh, probably just as much as Lodi, but I considered Lodi to be my home, my hometown track. And, uh, spent a lot of time there and it's a place I, I learned to you know uh, go fast because it was so consistent it was always the same so you're always able to push your limits and when things are like that you don't have to question whether it's it's you know a setup issue or the motorcycle you can really you know fine-tune your you know your skills and, and um, you know just really push the limits and learn a lot so I, I for that reason I, I consider you know Lodi uh, my hometown track Right on. So this year, you know, the night before the mile, obviously we're in August instead of in May when it's supposed to be. I saw you there. I was busy announcing, but is it just like it was did you, back then when you remember when you were racing or how's that, how's that Lodi cycle ball changed? Well, you know, uh, Lodi's evolved a lot over the years. Um, the track prep and the surface of the place has always been consistent and the same. It's tabletop smooth. It's a really fun racetrack to ride. And it's really fast. Um, the shape of the track, I mean, has changed a little bit, um, on the back straightaway side of the racetrack, but, um, you know, for the most part, you know, you go to Lodi and it's still Lodi, you know, it's very much the same, uh, just a little change in, in the shape of the track, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's the same place, man. You, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it, it's like coming home, you know, you go back and everything's the same, the grandstands are the same, the announcers towers are the same, the clubhouse is the same. It's, uh. That place has been there a long time, and uh, I hope it's going to stay there for a long time. Absolutely. I, I love going there the night before the mile. I mean, that's pretty much the only time I get out west, but they keep telling me to drag my road tax out there, and I'm like, well, then who's going to announce? And they're like, we'll figure it out. And I, so I, I've got to do it. I've never <laughs> – I never had the opportunity to race there, and I just – I'd love to spend a few laps there, especially if it's on a road tax, you know? Well, you know, technology's come a long way, Scotty. They got those uh, helmet mics now. Maybe you can put one of those in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so if, I do, if I do that, would you be my, my, my mechanic since my dad probably can't make it out there? Oh, man, it'd be my honor to change gears and spin wrenches for you. <laughs> right on. So I got I to gotta move on to my next little question here is, is you race an XR750, and that's one bike that I never got to race. I've ridden some, but I never got to race one. So tell me the story about how you came up with that bike, because we were talking about it this last Saturday night there at Woodstock, Virginia. But tell us about that XR750. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, that was a dream come true for me, you know, to, to, to be able to ride a, an XR, man. I mean, that's a, a kids of my generation, you know, that's, that's, that was the thing to hop on, right? That's what you wanted to, to do and dreamed about, you know, at least for me since the time I was, you know, born. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it was a really cool deal. Like I, I had built a great relationship with uh, Eddie Atkins and I'd worked with Eddie a lot, you know, previous to that. And, uh, you know, he's like a father figure and a mentor to me. And uh, I was like, man, Eddie, you know, I want to ride one of these things bad, you know, but uh, at that time, you know, he had, you know, different things going on with different people that deserve to be riding his motorcycles. And I was just glad to be a part of that and around it and, uh, learn anyway. So long story short, um, Eddie made me a pretty sweet deal on a, on an XR 
and I was like, all right. So, uh, I sold everything I could and, you know, did everything I could and, and uh, came up with the money 100% on my own. And that's one thing I'm really glad to say, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, then a few people hand me a few bucks here and there, everything I've done with racing on two wheels or four wheels has been on my own dime. So, you know, I, I bought that XR and uh, Eddie built it for me and we, we took it to Frederick, Maryland. And I don't quote me. I think I got maybe fifth or sixth and I was pumped, man. I was like, yeah, you know, George <laughs> Roder won this thing. I was like, this is cool. You know, I mean, I'm like, this is, this is it. You know, this is exactly what I thought it would be, man. It was, it was bad to the bone. I mean, oh man, I smile thinking about it, you know? Uh, right, so yeah. Right. So then uh, I wrote, I rode that thing around quite a bit and went up to New York and, you know, a lot of outlaw races and stuff and this and that. And then the basic twins class came and then uh, I kind of rode that and, you know, that's when I got fish. And I, like I said, I didn't even ride the whole, the whole series, but that was, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, you know, Matt, uh, uh, Weidman and Mattia and, you know, S, uh, I mean, uh, Eads and there was a lot of fast guys in that class, you know, even Corey Texter's first, first year riding, you know, uh, an XR, he was in the mix too. There was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of fun riding with those guys. And, and even for me at that point, they were kids, you know, I was an older guy, but it was a lot of fun <laughs> and, and, uh, it was a dream come true. Absolutely. So where, where's that bike now? Do you still have it or do you, do you finally have to sell it? Ah, oh, man, I, I, I had, a I had a part ways with it and, uh, I kicked myself every day for it. Yep. Yep. I, I feel you. Um, so how did you transfer from racing two wheels to racing sprint cars? Uh, well, that kind of goes back to, you know, back to my dad again, my dad drove cars. And so actually my first racing memories were going to San Jose Speedway with my dad and uh, going to the car races. And so I was like, man, that's really cool, but you can't drive a car when you're three. So I started riding motorcycles, you know, and uh, as we all know, sprint cars take a whole lot of money and it's something we didn't have. And so it was just like a pipe dream for me. Um, and later on in life, um, I put myself in uh, a good position to make some money. And, um, so I had this boatload of money and I uh, came to Amanda and, uh, which is, that's the girl I met at Walmart. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I picked her up and I was like, Hey, listen, I got all this money here. Um, we could like buy a house. We could, you know, like, I mean, buy a house or we could do this or we could do that. We could be smart with this, or you could let me try to like live my dream out and drive a sprint car. And she's like, go for it. So, uh, wow. You know, I love, I love her spirit and her, her you know, her, she just backs me in a hundred a hundred percent anything I do, which may, maybe is not the best decision to make, but she does. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that's how that happened, man. And she, she comes from a racing family and, you know, she, she, she grew up at sprint car races. So, uh, that's how that came about. And I started driving sprint cars in, back here in PA and it's a, it's a real big deal in Pennsylvania, man. Sprint cars, uh, this is like the sprint car capital of the world. It's, it's pretty insane. Yeah, uh, also to go with that, just go ahead. What? No, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, a lot of motorcycle guys, you know, all oh, with age comes a cage kind of a thing. And I thought the same thing, man, but i tell you what, I tell all the sprint car guys, man, I would rather high side on a half mile or whatever any day than flip one of these things. They're, they're, they're insane, man. They'll, they'll be, you don't hit the dirt, but they beat you up. So wow. they're, wow. they're pretty wild. All right. I got you. So do you, do you still race the sprint car? I know the last couple of seasons you've been on the road a lot, you know, helping some riders as a mechanic. So do you still get a chance to race the sprint car? Or do you even still have it? Oh yeah, man. I, I got, um, enough to, you know, build three cars right now. I got a car sent in my shop and, and enough to build three, you know, uh, wow. Wow. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I got all, you know, I got everything, you know, I got at least three of every part on a sprint car, if not more. So I have all that sitting there. Um, you know, I was planning to be in the car this year a little bit, uh, but with, with, with my involvement in, in flat track, it's just kind of taken up a lot of my time. And, um, it wouldn't allow me to give sprint car racing the, 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 the real dedication and effort it needs. So I put that on ice and, and it's not a bad thing cause it's saving me money. And, uh, my financial situation, uh, 
hasn't permitted me or, or, or give me the justification to go do it. Uh, at the same time, it takes a boatload of money, man. I mean, millionaires go broke racing sprint cars. I hear you. So I think you should start a team. Uh, I'll drive the 43 sprint car. Cameron Smith can drive the 44. And then you can drive the, uh, I think, you, what's your number 98 for sprint car, right, for Leonard? Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. So that was my little tip of the hat to, you know, my racing route. So I took on a new number, 98. I figured I couldn't be number 11 in a sprint car. Steve Kenzer, man, yeah. you know, I'm like, I yeah, can't be 11. He owns so. that number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, I got to pick a new one. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, so if if you ever find a buttload more money, then start that three car team, and we'll we'll just uh, I'll move to Pennsylvania, or I'll fly in and fly out. You know how the the big boys do it, and I'll race for you. You you be the first phone call I make, Scotty. <laughs> All right, so let's <laughs> let's talk about how you how you made it to be a mechanic. You know, you're still involved in the sport of flat track. Obviously, you love it. So, how did you decide that you wanted to be a mechanic, or I don't even know if you consider yourself a mechanic. I know you help these guys out, but you know, so you're almost like a rider coach and a mechanic. So how did you make that transition? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's something that kind of evolved and it's something that I've learned that it's, uh, something I really want to do. And, and, um, it's a passion of mine and I want to follow that. Uh, I've made a, as far as like a rider coach would be considered, I, I've made every mistake as a racer you can make. So I think in that aspect, I'm really good at like saying, Hey man, this is what you don't want to do. And I'm proof. So, uh, that's where my riding coach kind of comes in a little bit. And, uh, and of course my years with Eddie Atkins, uh, I, he's a really smart man and a great mentor. And I learned a lot from him. And, um, I, I mean, man, uh, I, you know, apply what, what I learned from him, uh, to the people I work with. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. You know, I've always, I've always been around flat track racing. I've always, you know, spun wrenches for the most part. You know, we all know how they, these motorcycles work. It's not rocket science, you know, the things pushing or if it's geared wrong or this or that or tires. I mean, there's only so many things to, to kind of, you know, work with. Uh, as far as mechanical skills, I wouldn't call myself a, a tuner. You know, uh, I've been very fortunate to be around a lot of great tuners and, uh, that's what I, you know, aspire to be is, uh, you know, my, my ultimate dream would be to, uh, own and operate my own racing team, uh, you know, dealing with the business side of it, the logistical side of it, uh, marketing, uh, writer, coach, you know, tuner. I, I kind of want to do it all. You know, I know it, it seems kind of far fetched, but in, in a, in a perfect world, if I could snap my fingers and, and live out my dream, that's what I'd be doing. Um, but I learned a lot, you know, by being around, you know, my dad, my brother and traveling around with my brother when, you know, he was racing and being around a lot of great tuners and people. And, uh, I'm hungry to learn more. And, um, you know, I, I've just, you know, uh, I love racing and it's at my core. That's who I am. And, uh, that's what I want to be a part of. So I've, I've that's my decision I'm going with, man. I mean, if somebody gave me a job offer to make three times as much money sitting in an office. I'd turn it down right now to hop in a van and travel across the country. Dude, I, I hear you. I hear you. I love flat track, you know, and, and that's where my roots are and that's where I'm sticking to as long as I can. Um, it's like it's it just takes over. It's a part of you. So let's talk about the 2019 season. You started off the year with Cam Smith um, and you parted ways, you know, a couple races ago and then you then you went out west with, with uh, Revan Ryan Varnes, who's a, a really fast up-and-comer. So, uh, how do your deals work out or did they reach out to you? Do you reach out to them? Do you, you have a resume? I mean, I know silly season happens all the time, but how, how have you made these transitions, you know, to work with Cam Smith and then to, to, to move on over to Barnes? I'm a really smooth talker. No, there you go. <laughs> no, no. Uh, basically I, I've been working with Cameron for a, a couple of years now. And, um, you know, I see a lot of myself in Cameron. Uh, he's a, he's a real talent on, on, on the motorcycle. And, um, you know, uh, I see, like I said, I see a lot of myself in, in him and I was, you know, hopefully I can kind of help steer him in the right direction. Cause I think, you know, we haven't seen the best from Cameron Smith yet. And, uh, so I believe in him and in his, his abilities. And like I said, we haven't seen the best of Cameron Smith yet. Uh, I, so at the beginning of the year when he had, uh, 
an opportunity to ride for Richie Morris. He called me up and asked if uh, I'd be interested in being his mechanic. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So um, that's how I started out the year. And, um, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. And since I parted ways with Richie Morris and, uh, but I didn't burn any bridges. I mean, me and Richie talk every weekend and, you know, we shake hands and everything's really, really cool there still. It just, it didn't work out for both of us, you know, so I had to go a different direction. And, um, that, that was that, um, as far as getting linked up with Ryan Varnes, um, me and the Varnes family go way, way, way back, uh, when I was living in California, I, I started riding for a, a guy named Bob Swanson with the CCM road taxes and um, kind of helping him develop some stuff, riding local races. And uh, at that time, you know, uh, that, that's how I got connected with the Barnes family. So when I came back East, uh, the, you know, they really helped me out and they always, you know, would give me a road tax to ride here or there or a Suzuki, a TL, an SV or something, you know, they always helped me out. Uh, and, you know, Jim, Kevin's uh, parents, Jim and Dolly, uh, you know, they always helped me out uh, with something to ride uh, if it was available. And so I've had a long relationship with the Barnes family and, and I can't say enough about that family. And so anyway, so it was a really tra easy transition to get hooked up with Ryan. And uh, we started going to the races together and, you know, uh, Everything's just kind of really clicking with, with, you know, me, Kevin, Brian Willis and, and Ryan. Uh, and we've kind of just hit on some really, you know, just we're clicking well together and everything seems to be really working. We're having a good time. And uh, Ryan's really, you know, developing well as a rider and he's proven himself and, and uh, similar to Cameron Smith, man, we haven't seen the best of Ryan Barnes yet. And I hope to, to, you know, help push him in that direction. If I can be a small part of it, I'm, I'm happy. How cool was it to be part of his first victory out there uh, on that West coast swing? Man, I think I was happier than he was, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that, was really, <laughs> that was really good, man. I mean, you know, uh, he had about two words to say about it and he's like, that was good, you know, and that was about it. And I, and I didn't shut up about it until we got to Sacramento, you know, we we're in the van for 30 hours and I was like, you know, yeah. So it was cool, man. It was really, it was really, you know, he, 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 he rode the motorcycle, you know, he, he did it, but, um, he gets all the credit and deserves it. But, you know, um, that was just a, a an example of, uh, me and Kevin and Ryan really working together thinking smart, making some decisions and, and, you know, and, uh, and putting the plan together and, and it, man, I wish they could all be like that. Right. It was yeah. like almost too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Those days are pretty cool. I know on the way home from that West coast swing, uh, you stopped at the place where we actually met the, uh, Stockton County fair, the Rooks County fair there in Stockton, Kansas. And he won a race there as well. Yeah, actually, I didn't stop. I, I was on an airplane oh, you, the next day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you know, hey, you know, family vacation, man. I, you know, what can I say? She lets me go everywhere all over the country all the time. So she's like, I want a vacation. And we've never taken a vacation. It's always been based around a race or something, mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, yep. Springfield's nice this time of year where Lincoln's from <laughs> you know hey have you ever seen Mount Rushmore you know it's beautiful right you know? especially uh, in August yeah, uh, yeah especially in August or or, or the you know uh, to kind of quote the Bauman's of being like hey how you feel about Paris you know like, so, <laughs> exactly so, yeah so you know she's like hey can we do a real vacation this year so I'm like uh you know what you pick it we'll go there we'll do it so uh, they got me out of driving back from California. I wish I could have been at Stockton, but uh, you know, hey man, that's where we met, 1993. You know, we pulled up, yep. and the, me, my brother, and my sister were traveling around in a van, pulled up to Stockton, Kansas, and you know, just uh, just luck of the draw, man. Like being in Walmart next to you know the love of my life, we pulled yep. up next to you, man, and here we yep. are, 26, that's seven years later. <laughs> That's so crazy. So crazy. So tell me about what do you think of the, the, the way the sport is right now? You know, you've been around it as long as I have a long time. I mean, I think I'm older than you, but you've been around it your whole life. What are your thoughts on how the sport is right now? Man, you know, um, I, 
that's a loaded question, and I feel a lot of different ways about it. On on one hand, I'm really I'm really excited for the momentum and the popularity that our and the direction that our sport is going as far as the public eyes concerned. You know, uh, me, you, and everybody listening to this show knows that it's the best sport in the world, uh, but it's getting it to the outside people, right? So. Um, I'm really excited that it's starting to go in that direction. Um, if you want to ask me about uh, the the Super 16, I'll be you know I can give you my two cents on that. Um, you know uh, I think right now you know I think AFT has really good intentions with what they're trying to do, and um, and I know they want the sport to grow just as much as anybody if else or if not worse. And I think they're, you know, as I say, man, sometimes in life, you got to be like a turtle and stick your neck out, right? Otherwise, you got to go for it. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And they're making bold moves. Um, That's that's my take on their side of it. Now, my personal feelings on it, um, you know, uh, personally, if I were to write a list, I I, I can write down more things that are, I think, are bad about that move than good. Uh, Maybe I don't, I'm not seeing the complete big picture but that's just my take on it i feel like the the fans are the you know are number one um because without them we don't really have a sport so i think if you went in the grandstands and took a poll and said hey guys would you rather see 16 guys show up or or say 50 guys i think everybody's gonna be like man i'd rather see 50 guys show up you know than 16 um and, and you know i think i think they everybody likes to see the big names you know they all like to see me they like to see the bowmans they like to see carver jake johnson you know they they like the big names and they're there to see the big names but i think one of the things that makes it exciting uh for a fan and i'm speaking as a fan myself because i'm a fan of the sport is um you know seeing seeing that regional guy the low budget guy uh or, or the you know the new up-and-comer uh, get in there and mix it up with, with the stars of the show, you know? And I think, you know, that really gives a crowd something to, to grab onto and root for and, and gets them excited is when they can see, you know, their local rider or regional racer, like I said, get in there and mix it up with the big stars. Of course, they're there to see the big stars and they like that too. But I think it's those small guys that really, you know, it, that, that make it exciting. I've always paid attention to the underdogs and the small guys growing up and those were always my favorite guys and so uh it's i think that's what makes it really exciting and if this current rule that they're they're talking about going to existed in the past um it would i feel like it would take have taken away a lot of uh great moments in our sports history like when brad hurst won castle rock you know local guy winning castle rock or you know or or uh steve Asseltine or ricky winsett winning daytona you know, that was pretty cool. Or Steve Beatty at I-96, you know, when he won his first national. Um, and, and sometimes those those types of wins have proven to really help and elevate careers. And it makes me think of guys like, you know, Will Davis. You know, he was kind of an underdog guy. He borrowed Steve Moorhead's motorcycle, won Lima. And next thing you know, I mean, he's riding for Eddie Atkins. And then he's, you know, Craig Rogers, A&R Racing, man, that did wonders for his career. I think of a guy like Davey Camlin, who was, you know, him and his dad were building XRs in their garage and racing out of the back of a van. And he goes and wins the, uh, the magic mile at the coin. And next thing you know, Davey Cameron's working with guys like Skippy and Baroni's Corbin. And, uh, it really elevated his career. So with that super 16 or sweet 16, whatever you want to call it, I just feel like it kind of, we, we, we lose all that opportunity for those great moments to happen. Um, but, you know, uh, either way, I'm here for it. We're all in the same boat. Now, ultimately, I wish the best for the sport. Right on. I mean, I get I get where they're coming from. I know they want to make stars of those 16 riders, but to me, part of flat track is just getting there and making the main event. You know, I'm looking at 2019 point standings right now. Four riders have made every main event, and 35 riders have earned national points. So that, to me, that's part of the, the heritage and the, the history of our sport is just trying to make that main event. That's your first goal in life as a, as a flat track racer. 
Absolutely. And I mean, sometimes I'm like, dang, I wish I was riding today. There's 19 dudes. I mean, someone's going to break and fall off. I'd have been in the show, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> right. but, uh, you know, versus like my first year going back to Daytona, man, there was 120 guys. I was like, what are you serious? You know, 120, like what, you know, trying to get down to 16 or whatever. It was, uh, you know, it was a tough deal, you know? So yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, have, but, uh, Half of you load up before just after qualifying. You know, you go out there for practice and you know, scratch sheets, and half of you go home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember just a quick funny story. I remember one year at Daytona. Uh, I go out, man, and and uh, practice. I'm like right behind car, and I'm like, oh man, I'm flying, right? You know, I'm like, oh, this is this is it. You know, this is my night. And uh, it's it, hard. I, I don't want to quote myself here, but I was something like four tenths off of fast time and I qualified 62nd didn't even make the program (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean I was like oh man yeah 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 Yeah. heartbreak city you know exactly you feel you can feel like you're going as fast as everybody else is and then you you load up and they try it again the next day so I mean the sports changed a lot we have just you know just a few races left um who's going to win the AFT twins championship well um you know I guess uh you know, your guess or anybody's guess is as good as mine. Uh, man, you've really put me on the spot, but I'll, I'll just, I'll say it, man. I, I want Bauman to win this thing. I, I think it would be really cool. Um, I, I really like, I, I like his approach. I like him as a person. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a really good guy and he's working hard for it. And uh, I just like to see somebody new get it. And I, I, I couldn't think of anybody better for this year to get it than him not taking anything away from jared but you know um it's kind of good to you know see somebody new in there and, and uh he's my pick and he's definitely who i'm rooting for all right so let's talk aft singles right now we've got a tie you've got gotier who's been on fire you got bromley he's been consistent who's going to win that championship oh man that's a tough one that's 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 almost harder because yeah you know and there's so much it's 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 you know, any given day, man, anything could happen in that class. And that's been such an exciting class. Uh, you know, I know Mikey Rush has had some, you know, misfortune in that. And, you know, I, he's, he's my boy, man. I, I, you know, I used to take him to the races when he was on an 80, you know, so he, we go back a long way. Um, I would love to see, you know, Mikey win it. Uh, uh, Bromley's uh, one of the nicest guys ever. And uh, he, he's, doesn't get a lot of the credit he deserves so i would love to see him get it and then you know what a comeback story if uh don't get it so you know it's kind of hard for me to, to to you know pick my one guy i guess uh you know just for uh if i was going back you know who who i have the most history with it'd be mikey rush i'd like to see mikey win it other than that man I, either way whoever wins it was it's definitely going to deserve it and whoever comes in second uh would is equally deserved you know, deserving of that, of winning the championship too. So that, I know I didn't tell you anything, but a lot of mumbles there, but that's, <laughs> that's what I got to say about it. <laughs> that, that was the pol- politician answer. I like it. So we'll say the last <laughs> one is the AFT production twins class who you're helping out the rider that's in second place in the points. Corey's got 123. Ryan Barnes has 96. So can Ryan catch up and, and take the championship away from Corey? Well, you know, it's racing, man. Anything can happen. Uh, just like, uh, you know, Sacramento, we had a really good day going. Uh, you know, um, Addison was like a second faster than everybody. We go out in the, the semi and, and, and run neck and neck with him. And so we were feeling pretty confident and good going into the main event and then misfortune, you know, uh, on the first lap. So I know uh, Ryan's in second and he's quite a ways back from Corey, um, but it's racing. Anything could happen. Uh, if you ask me who I'd like to see win that championship, I'd like to see Ryan Barnes win it, of course. And uh, I think he's deserving and capable, but, um, you know, that that's who I'd like to see happen uh, or what, what I'd like to see happen. So we'll just take it one race at a time. And, you know, as long as Ryan goes out there and rides his best, which he will do, uh, we'll be happy. So I'm going to point something out. So you mentioned in the twins class, it's, it's Briar. Well, he currently lives in Pennsylvania in the twins in the <laughs> singles class right now. It's Bromley. He's up there you know, with Gautier, both those guys are from Pennsylvania. And then in the 
production twins class. You got Corey Texter and Varnes, also from Pennsylvania. So what the hell's in the water up there? Well, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but you know, District Six, man, is is a is a is a pretty stout district. You know, there's been hot pockets around the country. You know, when I when I was growing up, man, I thought there was something in the water in Flint, Michigan, right? Because that's where you know uh, Markle and all the you know Springer and all the cool guys came from, right? And uh, mm-hmm. now uh, I guess uh, you know they got bad water, and the good waters come to Pennsylvania. <laughs> so I, I don't know <laughs> what it is, but you know, hey, uh, you know, uh, you know, between you know, like Chris Carr, me, and Bauman, I you know, I guess they got pretty good girls here too, because that's what that's what brought us here, right? So there you go, uh, there girls, you go. And, girls and water, man. I don't know what it is, but Pennsylvania's got it going on. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, it's right a good place right. to race. So, Sammy, in between the Springfield Mile Race weekend, I mean, it's not only the Mile Weekend, but the big weekend coming up, but also the Pennsylvania race is coming up next week. You're having the Modesto Mafia is going to hang out at your shop as a, as a home base for them while they're out there on the East Coast? Yeah, you know, a lot of people would open their doors to me when I'd come east or travel around, you know, so I always try to repay that same favor to, to guys that are traveling. And, uh, of course, I have a you know soft spot for California guys, so... I figured, hey, after Springfield, you know, uh, between Springfield and Williams Grove, uh, if they need a place to park their rig or work on motorcycles, I have a shop and, you know, a house to stay at and just try to treat those guys right. All right. I'll be looking forward to seeing those Instagram stories, man. That's cool. Sounds good, man. I'll see you on Insta. I got you. So what's up with your your social media posts? You always put the OK sign with your little hand emoji. Uh, where'd that come from? And and, and I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. I love following you on social media. But where did that where did that get started? And and uh, where'd it come from? Hey man, I came from when I was my, one of my earliest memories of watching on any Sunday. And uh, yeah. how many how many people could uh, relate to that movie and and are involved with motorcycles because of that movie? Anyway, so and on any Sunday, I was a little kid watching it. You know, just like everybody else, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, they're introducing the riders and they're like, you know, Dave Aldana, 19, you know, Dave Smith, 20, Frank Gillespie, 22. And they panned to Jim Odom and he's like, they're like, Jim Odom, 23. And it was the smoothest move ever. You guys got to watch it, man. He goes, peace sign, okay for 23. And I'm like, oh, that is so smooth, <laughs> 23. I'm like, that is so cool, right? So my whole life, I'm like, man, I can't wait to turn 23. So I could do the peace and the okay sign. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> that's where it comes from. So a lot of people give thumbs up, man, and that's cool, right? And thumbs up and thumbs up, and that's all yeah. right. And that's, like yeah. I said, that's cool. But, like, hey, man, when you want to really kick it up and not to be like, that's real nice, you give it up. <laughs> okay you know that's that's so that's where it came from <laughs> dude i love it i love it i knew there had to be a backstory so so we're yeah. already at the part of the episode for graham's question you know graham and she's she's yeah. loved you for a long time but uh she loves the vintage flat track clips that you've been posting on your social media she said what is your all-time favorite old school flat track video oh man uh i'd have to go with uh the thrill is on um oh. the thrill is on on any Sunday and take it to the limit. And so it's like, that's a three-way tie. Okay. Uh, all right. Cool stuff. So not one particular race, but you like all three of those older movies. Oh, oh, if you're talking about a race, I'll tell you the yeah. best race to watch right now. All right. All right. This is this goes Everybody, I don't care what you're doing, but as soon as this podcast is over, go to YouTube and type in, uh, I believe it's 1983 Houston Astrodome. The race that Terry Poovey wins uh, on on a 250. Everybody's riding 250s, and yep. and it, and he uh, he comes from the the back row because he had to, you know, win the last chance qualifier to make the main. Uh, and it's an insane race, man. That's the baddest race I've, I've ever seen. And uh, if you haven't seen it or watched it yet, get on YouTube. 1983 Houston Astrodome. Astrodome. It, it doesn't get better than that. All right, I'll have to check that out. So after our, our fans, our listeners can go smash that like button, they can go check that video out on YouTube. Absolutely. All right, we're at the end of the episode. It's time for our rapid-fire questions. So whatever the first thing that pops into your mind is, that's what I want to hear. Are you ready? I was born ready, Scotty. All right, that's good. What's your favorite <laughs> motorcycle you've ever ridden? XR750. What's your favorite racetrack? You've been all over the world. 
You've raced cars, you race bikes everywhere. You've been a spectator. What's your favorite racetrack? Whew, that's a tough one. Um, can I? I got two really locally. Uh, Hills Ferry Speedway, Newman, California. It's a mini okay. Savannah, Georgia. And right. I guess on the flip side of that, it would be Savannah, Georgia. All right, I like it. So yeah. why 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 do you like that short track? It it's it's bad fast man it's it's a d-shaped fast track there's no real groove on it you know so it's wet and you can ride the motorcycle slides all over the place a lot of throttle control a lot of feet up slides and and being a d-shaped man you can bury it in turn three i mean you couldn't put it in there hard enough you know so it was a fun racetrack you know it was a really fun racetrack that's my favorite i got you old savannah or new savannah old savannah okay all right so Next question is, who's the best flat tracker ever? Man, uh, I'm not not messing around, Sammy. I'm asking you the tough questions. Man, you're putting it on me. I would say, uh, talent-wise, I'd have to go with Ricky Graham. There you go. That's that's my answer as well. So, uh, again, you switch over to four wheels. So, who's the best sprint car driver ever? Steve Chandler, man, can't can't argue that one. All right, well, I'll argue with you on that one because but, I'm, I'm a I'm a Doug Wolfgang guy, you know. Come on, I'm from South Dakota. Yeah, I know. I I'll tell you, I'm a Doug Wolfgang fan too. But you know, uh, man, that's a that's a tough one. It's, I mean, they call him the King for a reason, you know. Uh, but that's true. I, I'd have to go, with, you know. So uh, yep. there's a lot of great great drivers there. <laughs> yeah. I got you. All right, well, I was gonna give you a hard time for quite a while, but I'll, I'll let it slide this time. So here we go. There, so it. If if you and your brother, both in the prime of your career, lined up at the Lodi Cycle Bowl on the exact same motorcycle, who's going to win? Me, because he gets bad starts. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love it. I love it. I bet your brother Adam's not going to like that one, but that's all right. No, so, no, no. <laughs> so tell us something we don't know about Cameron Smith. Oh, man, uh, he's... As quiet as he is in, in, in public, uh, one-on-one, man, he, he, sometimes you can't get him to stop talking. He's, he's a crack-up. He's hilarious. He's okay. a really funny guy, but, you know, in the public eye, I guess he, he he's pretty quiet. So you wouldn't think he's so uh, – he, he, he's got a shell to him, man, but once you crack it, man, he, he's, he's wide open. How about Ryan Varnes? Something about Ryan? He's yeah. really smart. Book smart. He's really smart, man. He, he's uh, he amazes me with like you know when you're going out to dinner and like I'm trying to figure out tips and I pull out my calculator or or we're trying to figure out numbers for something. I'll be like, <laughs> and he's like, oh that's you know he, he spits out numbers really quick. I'm like, how do you know that? And I and I, I check them all the time on my phone. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I found out something about him? He doesn't eat hamburgers. Who who doesn't oh, eat man. hamburgers? Ryan Barnes. He's not a vegetarian. He eats meat, man. He just got a, a he, he, funny story, I guess, is his uncle brought down uh, Daytona. He brought down the hamburger meat and brought it from Pennsylvania. And, and I don't think it stayed cold long enough. And then uh, they rolled out some burgers and and uh, they, they rolled them out on like the hotel table or something bad. Might have picked up a few things. Uh, everybody got sick and he's like, man, I'm not eating burgers ever again. So, <laughs> uh, he sticks to it, man. Cause we've, we've had to stop at, you know, a burger place on the side of the road to eat. Cause it was the only option and he's adamant, man. He'll, he'll be like, I'm good. You won't eat a burger. <laughs> wow. Wow. Maybe one day he'll grow back up. So tell me something yeah, about yeah. John, Johnny Goad. We don't know about. He's a tough, He's tough old dude, man. Something I'll tell you, he can uh, he could deadlift an XR750 complete motorcycle. What? What? Yeah. So yeah, like if you had a an XR parked in front of you sideways, he can grab it by like where the, the backbone, where the gas tank is, and the frame rail yeah. in the back, and just straight lift it up like butter. Oh my god, dude, that's yeah, a, that's he, impressive. He, he's got gorilla strength. All right, I got one more for you. What's more satisfying, you winning a race or your rider winning a race? I'd have to say my rider winning a race. It, it's really good. It's really good. What are you most proud of? My family. Right on. You want to say hi to your, your beautiful wife and your daughter? I know you've talked about your wife quite a bit, but you haven't said much about your daughter. 
Oh yeah, Molly, man. She she uh she's six years old. She's getting ready to go in uh in, in the first grade. And she, if you ask her, you know, uh, you know, always tease her and be like, hey, you want to race? And she's all about it. And I'm like, well, what number would you want to be? She throws up the number one. So I guess she's got it in there. You know, we'll, we'll just have right to see how that goes when the time comes. That's cool. Well, man, we definitely appreciate the time. Before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, I got a pretty long list uh, of people to thank, so I'll try to make it really quick. And this is there's a lot more people than than you know that uh, deserve a thanks, but just people that have have had good influence in my career and have always helped me out. I'll start with my dad, uh, my brother, and my sister. Um, without them, you know, I can't tell you how much help they've given me. But uh, guys like uh, Rod Lake. Eddie Atkins, the motorcyclist post, Leo Castell, uh, the entire John, uh, Varnes family, uh, John Tavis, Bob Swanson. And uh, I got to give a big thanks to Kenny Roberts' dad, Buster Roberts, and a photographer from, uh, you know, the northwest of uh, the United States. His name was Vic Abbott. Buster used to give me a lot of posters all the time. Me, him and my dad were friends. So he'd stock me up on cool stickers and posters, and that's what really started a, a big, you know, I collect a lot of stuff, and that's where that came from. So I got to thank Buster Roberts for that. And I also got to thank Vic Ebbett, a photographer, who used to let me dig through his pictures and take what I wanted. So those two guys, I got to thank them just for that, too, because, uh, you know, they, they've given me a lot of history to hold on to. And, and i tell you what, Scotty, yeah. Not that you haven't been great in the past, but man, I'm telling you what, you know, everybody talks about announcers and like, I get it, you know, the Rocky Rockwood and you know, this and that, but I, man, I just want you to know that you deserve, your name goes right along with, with the best of the best. You're amazing. And, uh, I really enjoy listening to you and I got the chance to really, you know, hear you a few times, you know, at races where we broke or this or that. And, and of course I listen to fans choice every race, you know, and, uh, I'm a big fan of your work, just but don't tell anybody. I won't tell anybody, Sammy. I really appreciate <laughs> it, and, and as long as I'm up there in the conversation, I don't have to be the best announcer ever. But you know, Rod Lake actually sent me a picture, and he said that I'm the next Roxy Rockwood. And I said I'll take that. Well, he sent me a picture of Roxy Rockwood interviewing John Wayne at Ascot one year, and John Wayne signed it, and said to the best announcer ever, and Rod Lake got that picture and sent it to me because he said, you're the next Roxy Rockwood. So I've got that here in my collection. I'll never let that go. That is super cool, man. That is way cool. And uh, I'd have to agree with Rod 100%. Right on. Again, Sammy, thanks for the time. We'll see you this weekend in Springfield, bud. Absolutely, man. Uh, look for us on the, on the podium. You look for me on the announcer box. How's that? That uh, sounds good, man. <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> All right, Sammy. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. One hell of a dude that guy is. And he's awesome. He's so funny, and he's got a lot of flat track stories. I mean, we just barely cracked the tip of the iceberg. But, man, I think it's cool that he was telling us where he got all his posters and, and pictures and stuff like that. And I just, I would love to just look through all of his memorabilia that he's got. It's a super cool collection. I love watching the, the vintage stuff that he posts, whether it's a video or, you know, an old poster from a, from a race or pictures. It's He's definitely he's definitely passionate about the sport and has been in his entire life. You could tell it not just with the content that he posts, but the conversations that you have with him. It's awesome. Absolutely. When we get off of here, after we smash that like button, I gotta go watch that YouTube video that he was talking about. As he yeah, as we were recording that interview, I was actually typing in and watching it while you guys were talking. It's without even without audio, it was badass. Right. I love Terry Poovey. He's uh man, he was so cool. He was so fast from Texas. Number 18, man. He'll always be number 18 in my... If, when I think of 18, I think of Terry Poovey. You know what I forgot to ask him? What? If he was standing on his stool when we were talking. Hmm. <laughs> if we're done, we got to wrap this up. I got to get this thing edited so I can pack my bags, fly to Springfield, and go see some flat track racing this weekend. Well, it's about time you came back to where the real racing is. <laughs> Trust me, I'd be there every weekend if it was, if it was a possibility. And it may well, be in the future if I can make some things was, happen. Who knows? I was going to say, maybe you can reach out and find a job back in flat track. You're coming. You know, so the, end, the season's almost over. Maybe you can find a job for next year. It's silly season for everybody, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. I hope it's not my silly season. I'm not ready to find a new job. No, you're going to be announcing forever. 
Um, you know, know about we, that. we can't leave that without you telling us a flat track fact. Do you have a flat track fact this week? Well, I didn't have any good research done for this one, so I'm going to go way back. So your flat track fact of the week is the first ever Springfield Mile was back in 1954. That's a long, long time ago. It was on the mile, and Joe Leonard, who Sammy Saavedra just talked about, took the win, and he was riding a Harley-Davidson. And back then, if you won the Springfield Mile, that made you the Grand National Champion. That's crazy. Like, I still can't wrap my head around that. Like, somebody said that for the first time, and I was like, whatever. But that was true. Like, how many years did they do that? That's a question for Bird. I'd have to try to find... I, I can try to find that out, because that's an interesting was stat. It, was, it know, winning season, one race. was it a season-ending race, or was it like... How did... You no, know, it was at the end of the year, okay. I believe. Well, that, that was in August, so it was, it was near the end of the... You know, gotcha. back... You got to remember, back then, there wasn't good lights. There wasn't lighting. Right. Uh, it started getting cold earlier, and so I would say that was the end of the flat track season. That's crazy. Joe Leonard. The original Smoking Joe. I love it. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if that's real or not. <laughs> it is now. I buy it. Joe... Joe Leonard rode for the Factory Harley-Davidson team. He also went on to race, I think, Indy cars, if I'm not mistaken. Badass. Oh, and why are you giving Ryan Vard a hard time for not eating burgers? I don't eat burgers. I don't eat... This is going to blow your mind. I don't eat hamburgers or hot dogs. What do you eat? Pizza. That has hamburger on it most of the time. No. 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 Just cheese pizza. No meat? No, I mean pepperoni. I'll, I'll go with pepperoni, which... Is probably are you more picky? Are you more picky than I am? Absolutely, just a little bit more, which is crazy to think. That's hard. That's hard to believe because you're picky as hell. But I yeah, thought everybody. I thought everybody eat, ate cheeseburgers or hamburgers. No sir. Okay, everybody but two. I, everybody always tells me <laughs> I, I can't trust a man that doesn't eat a hamburger. But whatever, I don't eat a hamburger. Well, well, I live in Oklahoma, and everybody finds it weird that I don't eat steak. So mm. I don't know. I just don't eat steak. So crazy. Crazy. All right. Well, hey, guess, uh, what? guess what? What? Seeing Springfield? Yeah, dude. See you this weekend. Yes, sir. Everybody else? Mm-hmm. If you're there, come find me. I'll have stickers in my pocket. I gave out a few stickers last weekend at Woodstock, Virginia, which was pretty cool. Actually, a guy brought me a Dr. Pepper all the way to the announcer's booth last weekend, so I know we have listeners that go to the races, and I appreciate that. And uh, we just really appreciate all the fans for tuning in. And, and you know, remember to smash that like button. Tell all your friends to check us out. And uh, everybody keep it on two wheels. And uh, we'll talk to you next week after a wonderful Springfield weekend. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Katie Talbert, missed calling you the last couple of weeks, but I want you on the podcast. Goodbye.